So baby boxes, if you already know what baby boxes are, you know that they are already on under fire from certain groups. And uh, I suspect we know why, but let's talk about that as we watch your culture stray further every day. On behalf of Further Every Day, I'm your host, Jonathan Fiala, and in the room today, we've got some wonderful folks, starting with Josh in the chair of theology. Hello. How's it going, everybody? Doing good. You? I'm doing exceptional. Glad to have you there. And Clint, chair of <laughs> philosophy. I'm sorry. Before the show started, Josh is like, I'm really white. <laughs> he is. So am I. Yeah. I'm the Clint. only brown guy, so it's okay. <laughs> Clint. No. Clint. You having a good day? Oh, I'm having a great day. Back from the cruise. Feeling good. Sister just got married? Yeah. She won't stop bothering me. I'm... Different podcast. Oh, that's, that's Going good. over to Melissa. <laughs> Melissa, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Glad to have you here and sitting in the chair of culture, I see. Very good. And Mr. Steve in the chair of politics. Yes, sir. Doing very good, man. Glad to have you there. And uh, there. I'll be warming the chair of economics <laughs> and the producer seat today. Right, right. The producer guy is not out. Someday soon, hopefully, he'll start helping us produce. But let's jump into it. So what are baby boxes? Does anyone here want to just sum up what they are? If not, that's fine. I'll go ahead and do it. I got you. Go ahead. So a baby box is uh, typically located in some hospitals or firemen's shelters. So on the outside, it's like if you're going to return a book, right? The the slot opens and then you put your baby inside and then you close it up. But on the inside, it's a clear box. It's completely safe for uh, the little kid. So it's there for mothers to discreetly leave their child that is unwanted and, you know, hoped for the child to have better care. Absolutely. So that's the premise. And to get to the root of where this premise comes from, I actually want to get it from the founder's mouth. And Josh has actually her testimony here for us to to read and to react to. So Josh, if I can get you to read the story from uh, org. Yes, the story goes like this. In August 1972, a 17-year-old girl was brutally attacked and raped and left alongside the car the side of the road to die she pressed charges against a rapist and he was arrested and charged and if this wasn't bad enough six weeks later she found out she was pregnant at the advice of this younger girl's mother she found herself at a back alley abortion facility in october of 1972 and while standing in front of the man who was going to take her child's life this young woman changed her mind she was then hidden from the outside world for the remainder of her pregnancy. She gave birth to her baby in April, or sorry, for the remainder of her pregnancy. She gave birth to her baby in April of 1973 and abandoned her baby at a small hospital in Ohio two hours after giving birth. This abandoned baby was me. This is where my journey began. Okay, so I think that this is a really powerful story, sort of an origin story, if you will, for this lady. And it... It's really interesting that these are coming under fire because in America, you have hundreds, if not thousands of babies who die every year in the garbage can, let alone the ones that are surrendered. So just going around the room, I, I, I just want to see if anyone has an initial reaction to, to her story, which I find to be fascinating. I think it goes completely counter to the idea that nothing good comes from, from the, like at least... The children should be automatically aborted in cases of rape and incest. 
because that's a very prevalent thought today. And that's honestly one of the main arguments I hear from people who try to argue for abortion. And from listening to what happened in that instance, there was a lot of good that came about it. And now she's making a positive impact in the in and not only in her community, but on the wider topic of the sanctity of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I think baby boxes are coming under under attack. Make no bones about it. There is a problem, a societal problem here where we have single mothers in an epidemic level, and that needs to be addressed. But it's really interesting that there is a a move against it, almost as though it's begrudgingly against the Roe v. Wade overturn. And I, I just find that to be interesting. You know, John Arthur, I, I can completely agree with your premise on that because there, you know, the, um, the abortion people, their idea is if there's a means to be able to deal with this and do something about it, then there's no need to have abortions. Uh, there's so many babies that are found in dumpsters, garbage cans, uh, in alleyways that are just left abandoned in the woods. They're just wrapped up or in garbage bags, and they're just thrown away. Just, I mean, we're talking about thrown away like garbage, where some mothers or maybe, and, and now this isn't just you know, a thing that's, that is just a thing that mothers do. Even fathers will do this, uh, you know, when they get to the point of, I don't know what brings these people to do this to a, to a baby that where they will just have the audacity to go and wrap a baby up in a garbage bag and toss them into a dumpster. Well, it's a chronic misunderstanding of the value of life, which comes from a misunderstanding of where life comes from. I mean, that's, that, that, that is the biggest thing that has occurred in our nation in the last hundred or so years of cultural Marxism, of critical theory. We have dehumanized the human, reduced them to just a clump of flesh and cells. And so it, it, it makes sense that the autonomy, quote unquote, of the mother is somehow worth more than the life of the baby to her who has the decision to make between her and her health care providers. And I I think you you you've really gone in the correct direction here with it's an issue of a complete devaluation of the human being. And so we see the story of life and instead of people rejoicing over it it's almost like it it comes against the worldview of the secular humanist. Therefore, this beautiful thing is is rendered, you know, pugent, pugnant to the to, to, to their senses. I think that's a it's a sad thing. Right, and, and you know, um, all the states in the United States have you know uh, safe haven laws, uh, not so much as the the baby boxes, but safe haven laws. I, I, I can't remember how many states have the boxes. Uh, it, it's not really very many, 
when you think about it, I, I'd looked and I, I, you know, it may be only like six or seven states that actually have them. And uh, Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, has the most boxes listed in their state because that's where it did start in the first place. And it, it I believe, started in what, uh, 2014 or 2016, something like that, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, and, you know, started because of, you know, uh, Miss Kelsey because of her being someone that was abandoned and, you know, saw that it, this was being done in, you know, South Africa. Yes, absolutely. And it started in, in Cape Town. And I think that the, that's actually an interesting point. I'd love you to read that real quick for us, where we'll go into and, and, and discuss where these came from, because it wasn't an American origination, but this lady is doing God's work, I think. And we'll, we'll actually see yeah. that in just a moment. Mr. Steve, if you could go ahead and get that excerpt from shbb.org. Certainly. Uh, founder Monica Kelsey started Safe Haven ba- Baby Boxes, Inc. after learning she was abandoned as an infant and after seeing a baby box in operation at a church in Cape Town, South Africa. She has made it her personal mission to educate others on the safe haven law and to do whatever it takes to save the lives of innocent babies from being abandoned. The safe haven baby box takes the face-to-face interaction out of the surrender and protects the mother from being seen. The safe haven baby boxes organization's primarily goal, or should I say primary goal, is to raise awareness of the safe haven law. Women in crisis can call the 24-hour hotline and can receive counseling and assistance. To date, the hotline has received over 8,000 calls from every state in the United States. Safe haven baby boxes has referred over 500 women now that's 500 women to crisis pregnancy centers assisted in seven adoption referrals and have had over 100 legal safe haven surrenders. Now that's pretty interesting. 100 legal safe haven surrender. 23 babies have been surrendered in boxes since 2017. Three babies were surrendered to firefighters at Safe Haven Baby Box locations since April now since April of 2016 when the first box was installed there have been no dead abandoned infants in the state of Indiana so i think that's really that's a success story i mean it's it's a huge success story oh amazing None dead since 2016. Absolutely. That, I I mean, you think now, 2016 up to 2023, man. That's a win. Yes, a big win. A a win for babies. Just imagine if that was just only Indiana, if you did it in all 50 states, what that number and what those statistics would look like. But again, we're going to see, if you read all of the news articles and all the news stories on this, you, you'll see that everyone is upset because women, it's not focusing on women's health care, on women's health care, which 
don't get me wrong. There, women's health care is one of the most important things that a society should be concerned about. However, it's two things. It's A, primarily her business and her family's business. B, it's not abortion, even though you seem to think that that is the pivotal, seminal thing. And whenever you... Whenever we hear as Christians and conservatives, women's health care, it, it's really sad that that turn has been, you know, tainted. And I, I kind of want to get your opinion on that, Melissa, because it seems like that, that term has been abused into meaning abortion. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's so much more than just abortion. I mean, it's making sure that, you know, whether it's fertility issues or even whenever after you have the baby, making sure that you are safe and you are healthy and the baby's healthy, it's, it goes so much more than abortion. And it's like you said, it's an abused term and it's sickening how society has done it. And I mean, I would actually venture to argue that this is, is as much an extension of women's health care as anything else, exceptionally more so than abortion. I mean, wouldn't you tend to agree? Absolutely. I mean, it provides something for women who cannot afford to carry that child forward. And instead of looking at it in a way that's compassionate, I, I think everything is through the lens of moving the political football. And, and, and we'll get into that in a moment. But I, I want to kind of ask some questions around the room to the chairs. And I want to start off with theology, of course, here. How does the Bible command us to live and work in regards to and, and operate in regards to orphans and to those who are, you know, abandoned. How did God represent himself when talking about, say, Hosea? And he was talking about Elijah and Jeremiah to the abandoned Israel. Well, you know who the the example that speaks out to me the most is in James, actually. It's when he's describing in that book what pure religion is. And, and what is it? It's taking care of the orphans and the widows. And that's considered pure, pure religion. That's because those people at the time, they had nobody to provide for them. And they were the most vulnerable people in society. And he says, he, he singles those two groups of people out in James. It shows that there's a, there's something about caring for the vulnerable and making sure that they're taken care of. Yes, absolutely. That's something that, we're called to do. And so how should the church go about this? You know, because single motherhood in unprepared single motherhood, women who do not have the means and ability to provide for these children because of the, the fact that they're signal, single out of wedlock, the culture is such that we now have this new thing. It's not just marital the bonds of marriage that, that are under attack, but it's the sanctity of life because we've eroded the bonds of marriage. How should the church react and interact with this issue of single motherhood for those who can't afford children? Yeah. And I think the, the thing is we have to delineate what we would like for things to be and what the current realities are. For example, we would like for there to be no abortion but in the current way that we're operating, we have to try and work to make sure to push towards that end goal. But we're operating in a system in which the way it is right now. Uh, whenever it comes to 
even though I might not agree with public schooling, I would like for us to get to a system where it's more based upon homeschooling. We have to operate with the current reality that there are children that are in public schools and we have to find a way to reach out to them. So when it comes to single motherhood, I would prefer that everybody stays in a happy marriage and, and that they are serving the Lord in that manner. But we also have to operate in the reality that there are situations out there where there is, there are single mothers who have been abandoned. And so with that reality in mind, we, we have to step up in that regard and assist these mothers because what did we just say? What did scripture just say? They're some of the most vulnerable people in society. And so we have to provide for them, not only with finances, but I also think there's a support there that goes well beyond finances. It's a support of, of, of an emotional support, almost a spiritual support. It's, it's something, it's a deeper connection there. And so I think that's the best way to step it up is that we just have to understand that even though we don't like the reality of the matter, the reality is still there and we can't just ignore the reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, you really nailed it where the church is supposed to be is discipleship and mentorship to these women. And when we cannot be that for whatever reason, because of where she is and because we haven't met, because we haven't connected we need to be the first ones on the line saying, give us the baby. We need to be the ones saying, okay, do not destroy this child's life. We will take that child. And that's a lot to say, by the way. That's yeah, and, really hard. And I, and I guess that was an, that was kind of what, if you could get the, the hint of what I was saying, don't excommun- uh, excommunicate these single mothers who Amen. are coming in through your door because you disagree with the way that they're living. Instead, why don't you help them out? where they're currently at and, and just take the situation from there. Cause I think that's sometimes, like I said, that's the kind of the way it's really easy to think about it is that, Hey, I disagree with this. So I don't want to go along with this. But at the same time, you also have to acknowledge that we are in this current predicament. Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving over to the chair philosophy and I want to get your thoughts. on this. Don't give me that look. <laughs> oh sorry. my gosh. Okay. You're having a nice nap there. It, it's a nice chair, isn't dude, it? Dude, I'm telling dude, this chair is making me so sleepy right now. Caught, that is a nice chair. Slacking, he caught me slacking. I caught you slacking. Got, I was like. <laughs> it's a nice chair. I blame so, Steve. So, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Johnson, for bringing that in. Bringing that in. So, how should we go about child abandonment? What should our, our philosophy be? How should we be approaching this? Because Josh laid down the groundwork very well for you, where we have the world as it is mm-hmm. and not necessarily the world that God has commanded us to be, because we as a church has kind of failed. We've, we failed the culture in a lot of ways, but now that we're here, isn't it better to provide a safe haven opportunity for women than to not? Because a lot of people are actually condemning these baby boxes. They're saying that they're unsafe. And by the way, we'll, we'll talk about that. They say that traffickers could somehow abuse them. They're locked. It's a one-way locked, and they're only at fire stations and hospitals, so that all that's bogus. It, isn't it better to provide that opportunity, one? And two, do we not see the two different worldviews colliding where one wants to abort the child? We would rather abort the child versus choosing life for that infant. And how should the Christian approach that? I want to tread a little lightly because sometimes I come off really harsh. Go ahead and come off harsh. Okay, I'll come off harsh. So as Christians, we failed the world. 
That's a fact. We started with Adam. We we failed. And we have to come to that realization that whatever we in our abilities, in our abilities, we are going to fail. Because what? We don't have Christ. And two, we suck. Us as humans, we're some terrible people. Who? We're some terrible people. Because this got, this got me thinking. We I watched a show with my mom because my mom and dad like murder shows. Don't know why, but they like it. They watched uh, mur- My Mother Was a Killer. This woman was pregnant at a prom dance. She went into the restroom stall, gave birth to her child, murdered her child right then and there. Flushed it down the toilet, cut the umbilical cord with the little, you know, the woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the mm-hmm. sharp end, she cut it with that. And then she went back to prom like nothing ever happened. The pictures from that scene, it's a bloodbath. It's a bloodbath. And this woman, zero consciousness of that baby was dead. So on, I view this as a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, this is this is excellent, right? We, as, Us as Christians, we should be viewing this as... It's hard to fix a broken world. It's so hard. Because that, for one, you need everyone to have the same mindset on Christ. And that's never going to happen. And so then, right now, what this woman's trying to do is trying to eliminate abortion in her way. And that's why we're getting so much backlash from this. So much critiques are like, this is terrible. This, that, this, that. Well, you can evidently see that it's not true but how many people are actually going to go sit down and do their own research for a topic they really don't care about wow yes see the only reason i do research because john arthur got me on this podcast okay <laughs> but otherwise i'm not a big research guy so i'm not going to do as much research as let's say if josh heard a topic and was like that don't sound right i'm going to be like eh, it's a broken world we do what we can right but in this instance, as Christians, we should be supporting this, right? But me, myself, a little convicted because a lot of child developers, psychologists will say, if you take punishment away from a kid, the kid grows rampant. He does whatever he wants because he loses the sense of there's accountability. And I think that's what's kind of happening here, right? Yes, on one hand, we want kids to live, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. But on the other hand, these women are not taken accountable of their actions, right? Because most of them are out of wedlock. Not all of them. I'm not saying all of them are out of wedlock, but most of them are out of wedlock. And they mostly start off, what, with young teens? And let's, let's just move on to the origin of all this with the sex movement. I can have sex and not have any consequences. That's where all this started. And I think as Christians, we should be not worried about a... Oh, it sounds really bad. We shouldn't be really worried about abortion and all that. We should start at the origin of the problem, at the root of the problem that kids are getting educated that sex is okay and I will have no consequences because of X, Y, and Z. Because I can either abort the child, I can drop it out of baby box, and I will have zero repercussions. Yeah, and to, to flush out your idea, I think what you're saying is is that abortion does matter, but... The origin of why that matters is because of these issues, and the origins of why these things start to happen is because of those issues. If I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, yes, correct. And so I think that's a really good point, Clint. Absolutely. Keep going. So, to go back to the question, as what should we do right now as Christians? We should 
keep pushing our churches as much as possible to be the hand, the hand of God. We should as churches, because, you know, churches don't do enough. I'm sorry. Churches don't do enough. You know, I've been raised where my grandpa took it. He grabbed trash. Well, I don't consider it trash. He grabbed toys that kids threw away from rich people's house. You go down to rich people's house on trash day, they have so much stuff. It's insane. <laughs> it's crazy. And my grandpa would pick them up. And as, uh, as a little boy, when I did this with my grandma and my dad, I'd be like, why are we picking up trash? You know, I didn't really grab the concept until now that what my grandma and my grandpa did while I was growing up, you know, spending time fixing bikes that were like trash to me and stuff like that. He took them down to Mexico and he sold them. He didn't want to. He just wanted to give them away. But people down there, you know, they have so much pride in being human. They're like, I'm going to buy that from you because it gives the man the sense of I bought this for my family. I, you know, it's. It's really sweet. Growing up in that world and that place and mindset that, you know, we give all we give, right? Because the Lord gave us everything we had, right? I just went on a cruise. The Lord gave me that. He gave me the ability to go on a cruise to these places and celebrate my sister's wedding. He, the Lord gave me that. Now, what am I going to do in return? Because... The Lord has unconditional love, but I, me as a human, I have conditional love. It's very hard to find a human that has unconditional love. So what am I going to do that glorifies God? I should wake up with a thought. What am I going to do to glorify God? Who am I going to save today? Is it myself for my own sins? Is it my brother or sister in Christ? Or is it some dude down the street? That I think is gross and nasty, but I know he needs help. And I mean, that's really what we're called to do. We're called to be selfless. We're called to go out of our way and we're called to be that difference, that light in the world. And that's very much the case here when we're talking about the ability to change women's lives. Hopefully we can support the women in raising their, raising their kids, hopefully. But if we can't, we need to be able to have an option to, you know, at least save the baby's life. So I want to get the chair of culture's thoughts on this because we, we seem to have failed in the culture and in, in a way that has created this gross overpopulation of single motherhoods. I, I'd like to ask you, how do you think we've gone about, how have we gotten to this point? And frankly, how do we go about changing the culture from where we are now in regards to single motherhood? And I'm going to take a different spin on this as opposed to what Clint did with having children that are unwanted or aborted. And baby boxes can also be used for to keep a child safe from domestic violence. Mm. And so... Yeah. So you you asked the question about like you know why do we have such a big influx of single you know, women and single mothers, and it's it's kind of a funnel down effect. And so you look at the the labor statistics, and you have the group of men between twenty four and thirty five who are unemployed. They are high school educated. They are you know. They might have their associate degree, but they are deemed to be the the mid-level 
employees. And we saw this especially after you know 2020 with everybody being labeled as essential or non-essential that you now have this influx of men who are in this middle category that um that now can't find a job so when you have when you have that and then you have um the whole like the mental health issues that go along with the unemployment you also get along with adding to domestic violence. So there's a statistic with the CDC that says, in this is 2018, nearly one in five women in the US has been raped by her spouse. One in four women have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner. And in 2020, that rate increased by 8.1%. So they said in 2020, 1,750 children died of abuse and neglect. So we go back on the point where we're in this impoverished conditions with these guys that can't hold jobs. Now the poverty increases by five times and your chance of getting abuse increases by five times. So the odds are, you know, one, I'm sitting in a room with four men. I'm the only woman in this room. I'm a boy. Yeah. Four, four men and a boy. <laughs> so if you look at the statistics, one, like one of these guys, could could abuse me. So why would I want to put myself and my child at risk of getting of getting hurt when it's easier and safer for me to be a single parent? I mean, that is an issue. But what I would really say, where we've really failed on that note, is the soft on crime approach that we've that we've watched develop in the world. So. You have a lot of false accusers, and they're not punished either. There's no punishment for false accusations. But, so you add that to the fact that we are weak when we have a man kill a man kills a child, his own child, and he gets ten years in prison. A man kills his own child, he gets the electric chair. I'm sorry, make it as long and as slow as you can. No, I said we should just hang him. I, uh, hey. Yeah. I'll go with you. I'm on good that. with either of those, right? I'll go with you on that. So what I'm saying is I, I agree with you, but that's not the primary issue. That's a secondary issue. That's because justice has been so freaking slow. It's been because justice is so freaking slow. And the crime of domestic abuse has been diluted mm -hmm. with false claims. And false claims that aren't punished. But more importantly, it hasn't been punished. In Houston, we have a law on bail reform that was suggested purely because the man who was the abuser got out on bail. See our last week's episode on this, by the way. We saw this guy. By the way, this, was, this girl was actually the, um, one of my best friends, former girlfriends. You know, She, 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 she kind of liked abusers, and he was not, so he wasn't a bad boy enough for her, so she left him. But she ended up with this guy. She did the right thing. She called the cops, and then the guy was on bail for personal recognizance within an hour of being downtown. What did he do? Come he came back. back, and he straight up murdered this woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was merciless. So that yeah. I, I, I would say that that happens— because there are no consequences for it. You're literally allowed to go back out and kill the woman 
That's why but, I think females should just murder the abuse. They, <laughs> they would have more time out than actually in jail. But you look at cases like, I think it was Michaela Davis. It was a couple of years ago. I believe that was her name. And she was three years old. And granted, I don't think her mother was innocent in this whole thing as well. But she ended up, for no reason, getting murdered by her dad, her stepdad and the mom and completely discarded. And so even if she was an older, she was a toddler, having that baby box, having that safe location that the mother could be like, hey, this is not a good situation for her. I need to get this baby out of I, this environment. I think that's a winning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even then there was this, we watched this documentary about this little kid. Um, I think his aunt saved him because both father and mother were abusing him. He lived in a cabinet drawer. In a drawer Yikes. that was way too small for him. He had cigarette burns all over his body. <sighs> cigarette burns. Like I've been so I've been burned with an exhaust pipe. That hurts. Now imagine yeah. a cigarette burn does. almost every single day around his whole body. So his parents were very smart. He went to school. So the cigarette burns were in places you wouldn't typically see on a kid unless the kid was like stripping in class and causing right. a ruckus. Right. A lot of times those are on their back or mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. places that, where their pants cover. He stuff. had some on his head, but his he had so much hair, so you really couldn't see it. It, 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 dude, it was bad. His aunt had found him. They had visited and were wondering where they where he was. They forgot they had left him in the cabinet drawer with a banana peel. That's all he ate. A peel of a banana, which is not enough nutrients for a kid. No, nutrients. they had found him in there accidentally because his parents forgot to let him go and play around with toys that he did thirty minutes a. When his aunt came over, maybe once a month, I think it was, it was terrible. So when there's Mm. that situation, we need to have the ability for someone to be able to take the the child. And frankly, anonymity is a good thing right now, Mm -hmm. right? There is a thing where anonymity is a good thing. And so I I I think you actually actually brought out a really good point there is that there there are cases where sometimes it is good to be able to deliver the baby somewhere safely out of out of hand um and it's not an argument against it's it's, it's an argument for right and then you asked about like you know what the church and heard the members should do and you look at we just got done with our bible study on you know dating and marriage and in the what happens in divorce, but we looked at the Proverbs 31 woman and you see this person who is strong, intelligent, the protector of the house and you need to, you know, bring up these, you know, these people who are of noble character and the church needs to, you know, take these men, take these women and be like, this is how to be biblically, you know, we believe men and women. Sound. Yeah, people sound men and women, and then raise them up. If we can't show them by example, because there is statistics that this happens in the world, but also what I just talked about, it's in the church as well. So if we're not doing it right in the church, then we can never have any hope that it's going to be right out in the community. And sadly, it's masked up in the church way better than it's masked up in the world, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, and they were saying that because the women, we don't want to look like that we're not being submissive, that we're not obeying, so we'll tolerate it better. Oh, yeah, there's a there's a total, and that's that's the prime example of when a man abuses his authority and abuses his position, and he he deceives people on a mass level. And like I said, I 
I think it's terrible that it happens. And ultimately, I think that the best way to go about that is like what Melissa said. There needs to be accountability in the world, but also accountability in the church. I think one of the biggest issues is that pastors really don't know who their congregants are. And so because pastors don't know who the congregants are there, this stuff goes under the table where if the pastor knew what was happening, he would reprimand, there would be church discipline involved in that scenario. Uh, I think there's a lot of different practical ways you could go about it. You could do interviewing the candidates uh, or interviewing your, your church members. You could have me do it by having lunch at their home or mm-hmm. things of this nature. Uh, and I think also, yeah, I think there's a bunch of different scenarios. Well, that's, the problem, though, isn't it? Because how could a church pastor possibly know everyone when he has 8,000, 15,000 congregants, right? Like when he has 2,000, how do you know? How are you being the spiritual leader? How are your board of elders actually holding people accountable in your own church? You want to know why the church is corrupt? It's because the church has gotten big. And it's become an organizational structure, not big as in many people. I mean, larger steeples, larger towers, larger campuses. And that's how corruption seats in. You want to know how to fix the church? Larger budgets. Make it a smaller organizational structure. Also, this is just me. Uh, I think that when you're doing this interview process, if anybody out there ever wants to introduce this into their church— you need to ask very personal questions. And and by I'm talking about very uncomfortable and personal questions mm-hmm. about what they believe what about what they do. For example, you need to ask them, "Hey, do you hit your wife or do you hit your husband?" I I think the, like do you watch pornography or do you do I think you should ask these types of questions because ultimately how you treat your wife is how you is if your wife is your most important and it's the number one person you answer to, and this is the way you treat her, and that's not the only type of questions I would like. There's obviously a whole row of personal questions I would ask, but if they're not respecting the person they live with on a daily basis and the person that they came into covenant with, then I don't know how they can possibly respect the rest of the body. You know, I, I can guarantee you, if you have both the husband and the wife in the same room and you're asking those questions and you ask the wife that question, her answer is going to be no. Mm-hmm. But, her, but her reaction? She'll her say reaction no. might tell you a lot. If, if you're good at reading what's going on, because if she has lived under that type of of oppression oppression for years and years they're really good at hiding it mm-hmm. you would be surprised how good uh people are at hiding things especially women that have been abused for years and years and they are very good at hiding things especially physical or mental abuse and they're very good at hiding it. And the only way to really get good, honest answers is to do it in an atmosphere or in a situation where it's just 
one-on-one type questions where you can really see how that person reacts or get a reaction or an answer from them because if they act the wrong way or the reaction is the wrong way or the answer is the wrong way, when that pastor leaves, first thing that's going to happen is is they're not going to be going to church the next week because she's going to have a black eye or a busted lip or a bruise on the face or something's going to happen to her. Also, Guaranteed. I, I also, whenever I think back to even scripturally, I think back to James and what he was preaching on was about the, the prayer sin, scenarios where you would be praying for other people. And in those scenarios, in order to be praying for those people, it's about knowing what the other person's going through. It's about knowing what the other person's doing and what their struggles are. And that's a key component of it. In these scenarios, how are we supposed to act and pray on something if we have no idea what's happening with what uh, with other people? Right. And so I guess that's the whole purpose is that the church really needs to get to know each other a lot better. Agreed. And and if we really do, if we don't come to know each other, a lot of stuff is going to slide under the, under the table. So that leads us over to the chair politics. And I want to get, I want to get your, your thoughts, because when we see this imperative to protect the orphaned, mm-hmm. and when we see that there is a society that is having some, some severe issues because we've lost the theology, philosophy, and culture. There are critics of the baby box uh, phenomenon and of safe haven laws, and that their primary critique of the bill in Indiana that actually started this lady's particular story that was been the most successful, 23 babies saved. And, and again, that's a small number, but guys, every every life that's saved is, is, is so much better than not. And there are literally hundreds and hundreds, thousands in Indiana in the last few years who've actually been saved as well, uh, but not necessarily directly through the boxes, through the campaign of safe haven laws. Critics of the bill, however, say that, and this is from the Chicago Tribune, link in the description below, they claim that um, it would decriminalize the act of mothers surrendering their babies uh, although safe haven laws already pretty much protect such mothers, they claim that also the convenience of these boxes may prompt mothers to relinquish their newborns without fully thinking of what they're doing. Well, if you're leaving your baby in a box or in a trash can, rather, that's on the street, I don't think you're really thinking about that much about the baby anyway. So what do these laws do from a political standpoint? And how should the Christian be be looking at these from a theological, political standpoint? Well, what we can look at is is the fact that, you know, theologically, you know, it's just like what we've talked about, and I'm sure uh, the way one time when Clinton here brought up about hanging a millstone around the young one's necks, when you cause them to make them stumble, you might as well put a millstone around your neck, throw yourself in the ocean, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But the thing is, is that what we're doing is, is we're causing that to happen if we're not doing anything for these children as the church. 
if we're not doing anything for them, that's what we might as well do. And it's and, a sin of omission, right? Correct. You know, it's like the pastor was talking about today in a sermon. You know, Paul prayed about this thorn in his side that he was having. You know, it's the prayer. You know, you just don't pray one time and go, oh, well, Lord didn't answer my prayer. Oh, well, I just might as well give up. No, it's fervent prayer. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you ask for God's will and you will be giving grace, not in your time, but it will happen. And he's going to do for you so that you can do his blessing, not your blessing, but he's going to give you grace through that to go through that and to make your way through it so that you can do for him what is best for him, not what's best for you in this life, but what's best for him to serve him. And the thing is, is that we're doing what's best, and these laws are what's best for the babies, not what's best for the mothers. And what these women are thinking about is, I got to do what's best for me. I've got this child, but I don't want this child. I, I Okay, you don't want it. Okay, that's fine. Carry it to term. Go put it in this baby box. Let somebody else who can't have a child, who's willing to take that child, rear that child as their own, and love this child and raise it up. Not kill it like you're thinking about wanting to do because you'll, you'll kill it at whether it is six days, six weeks, 16 weeks, or six months, whatever the law allows because you're willing to do it anyways. They got late-term abortions, man. They'll do it at eight months, nine, nine months. months. That's insane. I mean, like, that, you're already at the end of the road. You know, we're going. talking nine-month-old baby? Come on. You know Correct. what I mean? Correct. And these safe Correct. haven baby boxes are set up so that they lock, and within three minutes, someone will be there to rescue that baby out of that box. The alarm goes off, and within three minutes, someone will be there to retrieve that baby. If it's during the winter, it's heated. If it's during the summer, it's cooled. It's all done for the safety of the child is what it is all about. And on the political side, it makes all the sense in the world. And these politicians need to look at that and not think about this little bitty squeaky wheel that's carrying on that holds no ground for anybody except for their own purpose to push their own little agenda that serves nobody whatsoever. It doesn't do anything for babies whatsoever. And we're talking about babies. How many babies die a year from abortion? Think about it. Almost a million. Exactly. What a, 
what a difference something like this can make and the ability to surrender at and, and again it, it's it's between six days and 31 days i believe is is is, is you could, they won't take a premium or like right off right fresh off the press uh because of the concern for the infant they encourage you to wait for a little bit but after i believe it's six days six I days believe, correct is the minimum that they ask for but they'll take care of a baby if, if if you put a premature baby in but that is at risk and so I absolutely agree with you. What we're seeing is a politicization of something that should be universally accepted. When we have a mom who's not able to take care of her kids, maybe she wants to take care of this kid. Maybe she really does. But for whatever reason, she has to surrender this child. Right. We want to give her that option to be able to do it. If, if, if for some reason she can't surrender it to the hospital, by the way, you can surrender your baby to the hospital. You can surrender it to, you, there's a legal system to go through this mm -hmm. but now they're saying look if mom somehow just cannot do it face to face here is also this one more option and we are watching we are watching and waiting for the baby to come in and the, and again the critics will say well the baby could die in the incubator not in three no. hours or less not unless the baby was already in severe medical you know condition right and they say that child traffickers could steal the baby no they're locked. Once a baby's inserted, no. that box is full. You have to wait, lady, to put your next baby in. You got to wait three hours, you know, or, or less. <laughs> There's a wait limit. This stall is full. Okay. There's already a baby in here. So, yes, that's a downside. There's not enough of them. Okay. But every all, all, all of the objections are preposterous. And mm -hmm. it's because it comes from a, from a worldview, from a religious Correct. belief. It's correct. That is exactly what it is. It's a complete worldview of what is best for me. I want what I want. My needs are not my needs, but my wants. Correct. It's my wants. I want, I want, I want, I want. Me, me, me. Me, I, 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 I Exactly. I, now, now. I Name want, that movie. I want. Name that movie. If you know <laughs> that, that movie, movie it's yeah, movie time. Exactly. Do you guys remember that movie? Who, 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 who remembers that movie? Really? I was old enough. Hook. Robin Williams. Y'all don't remember Hook? Was, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Hook with Robin Williams. That was Dustin Hoffman's Hook. Oh, my gosh. You're going to get saved. We're, we're going to show you that, 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 that movie, Clint. We're going to show you that movie. Okay. But just from the chair of economics, I want to throw this out there. The church needs to be providing a, an opportunity, not a handout, but a hand up. And what I mean by that is as someone who's actually worked in the homeless ministry, I can tell you there's two types of homeless. There's the single parent who just lost their job or maybe some mom and she fleed an abusive situation. Two weeks later, after hitting this ministry, she was in an apartment. Her kids were in a school. She had a car because the ministry provided the car, but she had a job. She had a job. That was the reason why she got help because she was willing to go get a job or he was willing to go get a job. Okay, that's what the church should be about. We're not about handouts, but we should be providing access and entrance back into the workforce for, for people who are down on their luck. And we should be providing rehab and, and, and healing. And by the way, some of these gr grief share ministries, some of these other ministries to help you, say, recover from an abortion, those are things that churches should do too. Those are things that the church should do. 
And if the church was more about that business, I think we would see less poor single mothers who were having to make these decisions. So I think from the political chair, absolutely right. We should be providing that from the economic chair. The church should be providing that as well. Now, kind of switching, switching gears here. So some of you do not know yet, Uh oh. But we are going, we are going to be reacting to something today. Oh my gosh. And I want, <laughs> Clint knows, Reaction. Clint knows, but we're oh, going to be reacting to what the potential future artificial intelligence that's going to be running Google and Bing. Mine's going to be named Bob. You're going to name yours. Your baby or your AI? My AI. Not your AI. Baby. You're going to name your AI oh, Bob. You're going to name your AI Bob baby, baby Bob. Bob baby. Okay. So, <laughs> I, feel, I, see, I feel the beans well, coming What are you in. talking oh about here, huh? Why did you put, what did you, what's your name on that thing? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. Why did I what? Put your name. On what? On this thing. On my thing? Chat GDBT. Did it? What is, no, what's your username? You have usernames? What is no, this? A gaming that's not channel? a username. I don't know why it has FU, but I promise that was not intentional. I'm not in I didn't put it there, I swear. Okay, okay. I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear. Wait, okay. I don't see that. But no, it's okay. It doesn't matter. So we asked Chat GPT, which is now loading. One moment here. One moment. Oh, don't be that way. Come on. Come on, that? don't don't disappear on me. Oh my goodness gracious me. Dude, I'm one moment, that guys. One moment. One moment. Let me see if I can get this. One second. I have to go underneath and fix something. So as we're waiting here, guys. He's hitting the flux capacitor. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, one flux thing capacitor. I think working. Man, okay. I left mine at home. See if we can get this to work. The internet is just being rude today. So as we're waiting for that, Ooh, I have one thing to say. Go ahead. As yeah. we, uh, as you know, I don't think, well, I barely noticed it. Well, John, well, Mr. Steve talked about it. Self-gratification. That the world is now revolving around self-gratification, which I think that's the problem most of the days, right? Everything's about me, not about you, right? I feel like the church failed. <laughs> well, no doubt. But honestly, I feel like the church is too worried about itself to do anything. I'm a little new to this uh, church politics thing. I'm not the way I was raised. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of straightforward. Not a lot of people like me. Not a lot of people like my mom because we're kind of the same way. If you're doing something bad, I'm going to tell you you're doing something bad and I'm not going to hold punches. I don't know. I like your mom, but you know, I'm still kind of, Hazy on him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hater. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, I feel like the church is stuck in the world. They're too worried about the self-gratification part. They're like, well, yeah. let me just do this a little bit because if I do too much, we're going to get too much attention and then bad stuff is going to happen and they're not, they're too worried about the consequences of the world not about christ none of i do this in the christ's name he's going to provide for me all the way all the way through no matter if the world is going to take away my taxes all mumbo jumbo the rest of the politic world i really don't know about the most of it they're too worried about their self-image to do anything 
Man, if I ran a church, who? Well, also, you'll find that most churches are socially structured and engineered just like the world, unfortunately. Yeah. Speaking of the world, the chat GPT's back. So let's talk about it. Oh, oh all right. Well, I don't know if we should be okay. celebrating AI, but it's so, there. Okay, let's talk about the AI. So <laughs> I, just I did, did this on the plane back from Florida this week. So I was, I was out traveling, and I thought, you know, I wonder what chat gpt because it, it, if you don't know what chat gpt is chat gpt is a an ai that's been developed for search engines and for research and development of web-based applications basically it's going to be what's answering a lot of our questions in the future and i said i wonder what the geeks at uh, silicon valley are going to program in here as far as biases what kind of biases will chat gpt have liberal and guess what I, I i i'm starting to smell it i'm starting to smell it i but i want to i want to get your thoughts here so i said what are, what are baby boxes and where do they come from and so it, it made the mistake first and i thought about the cardboard boxes for you know for children okay not those you having a seizure over there? No, I, I'm <laughs> left winging here. Like scared, John Arthur. Coming out here left winging. <laughs> My man got so scared. Is he, you having a seizure? You having a seizure? Okay, okay. But it says oh, no. oh, so, so. So it made the mistake of thinking. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. We've lost control. Oh no. Okay. It made the mistake and thought. Okay, he means baby boxes, cardboard boxes, which, by the way, apparently attributed to SIDS, like like some kids are dying of SIDS in these cardboard boxes, but I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. that's an interesting story. It's terrifying. Parents, be aware that, you know, you need to be careful where you keep your kids, but that's not the conversation for today. Not those baby boxes, I said. I typed in the ones that they abandon babies in. And so it says, you might be referring to baby hatches or baby boxes. Thanks, Poindexter. Hatches? Which are de designated safe places where parents can anonymously place their newborns. Uh, and, and so... It goes on to say, while the intention of baby hatches is to provide a safe alternative of banning the baby in a public place or endangering its life, their use remains controversial and is often debated by child welfare experts who question the long-term impact on the child and at the ethical implications of anonymous abandonment. That's a really interesting statement, isn't it? What, does it sound almost like this is taking notes directly out of the WAPO and out of the Chicago Tribune and out of some of these other places that are writing anti-baby box material and saying, we would rather focus on women's health care. Do y'all detect that? Do you, do you yeah, guys see what I'm saying? Who cares about the baby? Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's better. It's, it's, it's better to deal with health care. And we'll see that in a moment. Health care. We'll put that in quotation marks. So I said, which countries? Germany, India, Japan, South Korea, Czech Republic, and Austria. There are others. But uh, so I said, okay, how would these laws put children at risk? You know, just to butt in for a second, John Arthur, I think abandoning children in a dumpster or in the woods in the middle worse. of winter was probably more of a problem to their health care than into one of the safe haven baby boxes. You know what I'm saying? hundred percent. You know, I think that's more of a problem with it's their health care. It's almost like it's more <laughs> of a political football issue. Or, or abortion is more of a problem to their health care. 
If they're so worried about long term, why didn't they wait for COVID vaccines to be tested further on? On on especially when they demanded that it's being done on eighteen month olds, right? Yeah. Like that's nuts. So Legality and implementation of baby hatches can pose risks to children in several ways. Lack of follow-up care. If it's abandoned in a baby hatch, they're literally going to be at a hospital or a fire station as opposed to a dumpster where the raccoons can take care of it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, And you have hundreds or thousands of kids, depending upon the year, lost every year to abandonment in unsafe environments so why why would the ai structure itself this way we're really pivoting here okay but i want to get you guys to so so just pause for a moment why do you think the ai the ai is just a machine it takes in for it can only what only what goes in comes out it's kind of like a human in some ways like what go it can only put out what 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 has come into it so what do you think this AI is basing itself off of? Or what do you think they're basing it off of? You know, I'd just like to say one thing here on this uh, issue on what you said uh, and what Clint here also said about um, the uh, raccoons. You know, and I know Clint uh, works at a food place mm-hmm. runs run manages one for years when i was younger back in my 30s i managed restaurants i ran off more raccoons out of dumpsters than i ever did out of my deer camp yep. lease yep. now you throw a baby in one of those it's what do you think's going to eat them dude the raccoons are you know ravenous. what i'm saying yeah and they're and they will eat meat they will eat meat. Oh, they'll so, eat. They eat live stuff. Melissa, I see you deep in thought there. It's almost like it's getting it all from left wing publications. Oh yeah, because like when you look at the algorithms, like whenever you do like a Google search, there's more of the left wing media out there than the right wing. So you're going to get heavily biased. Exactly. I'm like you can't. It's hard to get around it. So this AI is going to pick up. What are the most like soft after searches? What are the, you know, what's out Correct. there? And it's so one-sided that you can't get a biased review. And mm-hmm. so it continues. And again, we asked it a bunch of questions and I guess we're not going to be able to get, get through all of them today because we do have to wrap. But I asked him what the, what the primary reason for infant abandonment, unplanned pregnancy. When a woman finds herself pregnant without having planned for it, she may feel underwhelmed, unable to cope, leading her to abandon the baby. Okay, that's fair. Lack of support. You know, social stigma. Okay, all these things are actually correct. And so fair. One on the scoreboard for you, AI. You're correct. There's less social stigma in um, women being a single mother than there used to be, say, back in the 50s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or but it's 60s. Still, it's still, it still is a thing. Why, why do a lot of pastors have their daughters abort their kid? So what that, does that, chat GPT say when you put, does God exist? Oh man, Dude, we'll do a, a whole video question. on that. Seriously. Like and comment if you want a video just on chat GPT theology. We will do oh, that. Oh my God. We will do that. That would be fantastic. <laughs> and in That'd fact, I might do a couple of solo videos just on that, but because I've been thinking about doing that for a while now, because yeah, we'll do a full react to. Ooh, you we'll sparked do a full an interest react in to. John Arthur. What? 
He sparked an interest. No, 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 no. I've, I've, I've been thinking about that, and Josh brought it up, and I'm like, yes, I've been thinking about this. Oh, it's I've the been... rekindling of ideas. Exactly, exactly. So I asked, what, what would be better than baby boxes? So it says, instead of baby boxes, some actually should suggest we should look at the root causes. Increased access to reproductive health service. There you go. That's, that's the first one. Uh, you know, support for young and single parents, sure. Improved access to mental health services. Yeah, I mean, I agree that depending on what you call mental health services, but sure. Uh, alternative adoptions or options to adoption. Uh, okay, that's awesome. Sur surrogacy is awesome. Public education and awareness campaigns. We all have that already. That's great. Why are these people blocking it? Because well, blockers. Increased access to reproductive health services. That's the word right there. Reproductive it's like this includes abortion. Right. Abortion. So, okay. So, and I said, are you suggesting abortion? No, no, no. I'm not. So, so this, this is chat GPT speaking in, but I'm just saying it is interesting. It is interesting that the root that chat GPT is using for all of this, the, the root information is going to be the verified sources. Remember COVID? The verified sources. Who's fact-checking the fact-checkers fact who fact-check the fact-checkers? <laughs> Enemy of the state reference there. Who's chat hey, GPT uh, the chat GPTs that chat GPT? I'd, like to, my head, I'd like to know if they're using the AI to uh, squash us. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so with that said, following thought, final thoughts, Josh. Baby boxes are a good thing. Uh, the, obviously, we hope that single motherhood would not be a, as prevalent of an issue, but it is the current reality we operate in. So us as the church, we need to step up and, incur, and encourage these women to continue with their babies. We also need to provide a source of child care and, and love and resources for these women because they're in great need of it. Amen. Uh, I think as Christians, we should focus on that but also focus on the root of the problems that sex does have consequences yes protected or unprotected they both have consequences because it's a binding of two souls and not only just for your fun definitely agree that baby boxes are um good and are important and a good resource to use as you know as an option but i'm like we just need to get as men and women we need to get right with how we're supposed to act and hopefully eventually we'll never need the alternative sources. Amen. On a political standpoint, I think the Supreme Court did a great idea on passing the abortion issue down to the states and making it a state issue. And now the states need to look at instituting this deal with uh, safe haven baby boxes, not just with the safe haven law. Uh, Texas did it back in 99, 1999. Now they need to go ahead and start putting more these things in more hospitals, fire departments, and just start spreading them out through all the different states. And I think you'll see more and more abortion go down and population increase will go up and close the border off. From your lips to God's ears and uh, to your ears out there. Look. If you're having a pregnancy that is not within your plan and financially you're having a hard time with it, let's say that you are considering a hard decision, may I humbly suggest to you, and I, and I hope to have her on the show soon, but there is a little old lady who is very dear to my heart 
she raised two of her kids were adopted. And, and she, she said she wanted to share the, her story. She said both of these children were mothers who were potentially abortion-minded. That They were in that situation, and they carried a term and delivered so that she could raise their kids. Those kids now have kids, and some of them, their kids have kids, okay? What a wonderful gift you can give a mother who has not had the blessing of children. If you can hang on, and if you can get through it, there are places, there are ways, whether it's adoption agencies, churches, or if you have to, safe haven uh, uh, auspices. You can provide that child with life and someone with a child that they would love to have. If you like this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, share it around. Thank you for the views and YouTube. We see what you're doing. We're watching a thousand views die all at a time. They just disappear. Thank you for letting us know we're in the right direction. If you are on audio, thank you so much for over 160,000 downloads as of February 5th, 2023. Thank you so much. We are humbled and honored. We are on YouTube. We're also on Rumble. Rumble, we see you there, 60-some-odd subscribers. Thank you, guys. And uh, with that said, got nothing else for you. Love you. Bye-bye. All right, all right, all right. If you're still here, you are super listeners, or we put you to sleep. Going around the room, what is... We haven't done this one in a while. I think this is a new crowd. Do something totally random. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Josh. Give me that mint chocolate chip, boy. Come back to Clint. I'm lactose intolerant, so it's a no for any type of me. But wait, 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 wait. There is coconut vegan ice cream. Oh, it's not this. It's... It's good. Can you eat vegan ice cream? Have you been to Brewster's? What? I'm going to take you to Brewster so you're going to fix this. Vegan ice cream. <laughs> Our hand Somebody slap really that good boy in the head. Steve Johnson. Mine, man, it has always been just regular vanilla, but bluebell original <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> homemade vanilla, Clint. buddy. And mine's going to be umboli. Umboli? Umboli is uh, so aguas frescas is uh, you know my my favorite is agua de sandia which is watermelon juice, um and then you take that juice and then you freeze it and that's how we have it. Melissa, he's Mexican. Don't bole, give us bole. that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I would say bole, bole. I would say strawberry cheesecake. Strawberry bole, cheesecake bole. is strawberry cheesecake. Oh, aren't you extra? Oh bole, my bole. gosh, that sounds good. It's really you can have good. It. So tell bole, us in the comment bole. section down below what your favorite flavor of ice cream is. And with that said, we love you. Goodbye for real, nice. Uh, toodles. Bole, Sorry, bole. Pastor Tally.